0: to the Bible Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cable, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California, and Lutheran Campus Ministry at USC.
1: I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder in America's finest and only institute of higher education in the Buddhist tradition, Daropa uh, University. Um, Matt, uh yeah. this is our hundredth episode your done this. <laughs> After episodes 99, A, B, and C. We had to drag it out a bit. There was some to, uh, technical uh, issues before we could get to 100. But we're here. But we, we did it. I know. Yeah. Uh, and so for the 100th episode, we have a, a, a guest, uh, a special guest with us. Uh, it's the, the recently retired, uh, uh, <laughs> now living on Portico pension plan, uh, uh, the, the, the Reverend Nadia Bowles. Whoever. Hey, Nadia, how are you? Hey, Zach, what's up? <laughs> Not much. How's that Polico life? Is that good? Um, yeah,
2: I, I wouldn't know, actually. I, uh, You know, I didn't actually make an income till I was 40 years old. Oh. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah, my pension ain't shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're pro-defined uh, benefit over uh, defined comp- uh, contribution on the podcast, but turns out our tens of listeners don't have that much influence
2: <laughs> i am in the position of having to pay for my own health insurance you know mm. so oh. so it's ten thousand dollars a year that i pay for the uh, honor of paying out of pocket for all my medical expenses <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Which i've never quite fully understood like it was amazing to me during the healthcare debate on Obamacare that, like, 100% of the debate was who's going to pay the bill, 0% of the debate was wait. Why
1: is the bill so high? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I I think that healthcare costs. It's un-American costs, to ask that question. <laughs> healthcare costs are the same as college tuition costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have no idea how much it actually costs. Right? It yeah, only right. costs yeah. what you can get people to pay. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. So like nobody goes to college. Well, very few people go to college and pay the sticker price on a college education. Could right? could
2: I get a merit scholarship for healthcare? I... You should be
1: able Well, have you filled out your fast fast form? That's... Seems important to somebody. The question we normally ask during this part of things, uh, what's happening in your uh, context, in your world, uh, in your part of the universe? Uh, what is happening in South los angeles these days oh my gosh
0: (laughs) yeah what is happening in south los angeles well today the kids went back to school LAUSD is uh back to school so we just finished back to school sunday uh and that was a lot of fun uh we got our logo on lunch bags which was more exciting than it should have been to me but i was really really jazzed about that uh but now i'm looking at uh the college students going back, we have a USC student from St. Mark's. She got a full ride to USC. She's from South LA, so it's very, very exciting for her. It's also exciting for me because now I have somebody on the inside at USC, and I can figure out how to infiltrate that
1: very yeah. fortress-like place. Do you have students coming back? Sadly, yes. Uh, U-Haul trucks <laughs> have covered the hill. Uh, the carcasses of burned sofas, uh, litter the landscape. Um, Target will soon be an absolute hillscape but we'll retreat. Our leadership group retreats to get ready. Uh, we've, we'll have retreat the week before classes start next week. They're most excited that the t-shirts that they have designed, because uh, t-shirts are the most important part of college. Yes. Uh, have a grilled cheeses on them, uh, and that's where we're staking our <laughs> our flag this year. It's grilled Did Did Jesus. they design that, or did you design that? Uh, they did it. I did not want to be involved.
2: Uh, you And did you verify that Campus Crusade does not also have that?
1: You know, um, that would be super embarrassing. That would be super embarrassing. <laughs> Fortunately for us, very. So, uh, here in Boulder, uh, I have a Missouri Senate colleague and we got a, I got a new one of those a couple years ago. And, uh, he came for like the big involvement fair where everybody's tabling and he wanted to table next to us because he was like, we should sit next to each other. So if anybody gets confused. We could help them like figure out which place they're supposed to be going. And we did that for about 20 minutes mm-hmm. before he realized uh, that there was going to be no mistaking things. We had our giant. Uh, <laughs> we've got a we got a big sign that says basically we like gay dinosaurs and that drove them away and they quickly moved uh, and they wanted distance from us instead of. Uh, of course, closeness. yes,
0: my favorite T-shirt at usc is there's a group that has it says jesus christ but the last s on jesus and the first and the c on christ and the sc logo Uh, so they've somehow uh, managed to turn it into a when i say favorite i'm being really sarcastic
1: (laughs) jesus of troy um how's how's, a little trademark symbol how uh, how how is post-retirement life well, uh, I'm not really. Familiar. What?
2: <laughs> oh God! Oh. No. What? What, what are you doing? I have no idea. <laughs>
0: have, I mean, have I, you thought about uh, starting a podcast?
2: Yeah, I'm actually in the. I'm in the midst of that. Oh. I'm so there's a couple producers who've uh, worked at NPR and Audible uh, for their whole careers who are who are I'm in talks with to do a podcast excited about that but I I have so many things going on and I mean it sounds ridiculous but I need like a business manager you know because I'm I just don't I'm trying to figure out my book tour and it's going to be ticketed and like I uh how do you do that and then the podcast and then I have these videos with makers so I i have a thing now i didn't even know was a thing a month ago which is i have a digital content agent at
1: wme so
2: i have are they digital or is the
1: content digital
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's like max Headroom, and um (laughs) so i have like a literary agent and a speaking agent and a digital content agent and then i have this guy who's running the book tour everyone gets like all these people make money off of me that's a bunch of different 10 percent i get any money you know (laughs) like i don't i it's uh nobody calls me is calling me up and going okay nadia we know you have no idea what you're doing so we're going to give you some advice and here are the next three steps to take so uh, I don't know what I'm doing. There wasn't a seminary I know class. I'm not on doing this. it well. So I feel like <laughs> I do have some certainty there. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> oh, gosh. So I have a question for you. One of the things that we talk about on the podcast a lot is how important, how formative our musical puberties were. Uh, for sure. Like, I remember in sixth grade. It turns out the most important thing that happened in my life, uh, in Matt or I, either of our lives, uh, was when Columbia House decided to do the deal where you got 16 CDs for a penny, and it turns out contracts with minors aren't legally binding, so you just got tons of free cds right and never dealt with the consequences uh and so so that musical formative time for me right mostly meant being uh super immersed uh in like lilith fair the headliners of lilith fair basically um (laughs) so so all of my 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 adult mature musical tastes grow out of uh, lesbianism correct Yes, yes. (laughs) Although, strangely, right, Alanis Alanis Morissette was in a relationship with Dave Coulier. But again, maybe that doesn't prove too much. What was your musical purity?
2: Definitely the Ramones and David Bowie and Lou Reed and Iggy Pop and uh, British New Wave um, and some, you know, punk rock, Fear and Suicidal Tendencies and stuff like that. So black flag so that's kind of you know that's that's what was sort of the most formative for me i was fairly convinced as a teenager that the holy trinity was lou reed iggy pop and (laughs) david bowie so the 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 first album i ever bought was the ramones road to ruin and then the second album i ever bought was david bowie's the man who sold the world Mm. so what did you buy
1: them on where, uh, how did you buy Your first piece of music?
2: Okay uh, Big Apple Tapes and Records And Mall of the Bluffs in Colorado Springs Wow So it was uh, I did have a record player But it was like This orange and white Plastic Fisher Price Record player But yeah, it still yeah. worked And um and so I would play the Ramones over and over and over again. And then the man who sold the world was on cassette tape. Oh,
1: I think that's probably um, the like I know we talk about the 1400s being the dark ages, but clearly I think the time of cassette tapes must have been the darkest ages of all.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The plague is yeah, the worst was, thing that could happen. It was rough. Yeah. But I remember my parents were sort of early adopters of the CD player. Mm -hmm. So that was
0: that was kind of a big deal. How did you how did you discover music? Like, how did you discover Mm -hmm. that Holy Trinity? Did your friends introduce you to it? Did you find it on your own somehow? This is like sound. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I would say I had a friend who was from Germany. Katrin. was her name. And she was the one who turned me on to Bowie my freshman year, I think, of high school freshman or sophomore year of high school and then it was just over then you very naturally then moved to Lou Reed and Iggy Pop from there you know so um, there was a picture of the three of them together I think and I had posters of Bowie all over my room when David Bowie died I was actually in um, Costa Rica and my mom messaged me as soon as she heard the news to make sure I was okay like that's that's how intense my obsession with david bowie was
1: yeah Hmm. i have a issue with germans uh german music that's important i just um i'm still jet lagging we were uh for some reason i took a two-year-old and we kind of backpacked in east germany uh the past (laughs) two weeks and uh it was hot as testicles it was uh like 95 degrees every day i know they don't have air conditioning i get that but If you want, I know you got money problems, it sounds like. So I got a plan. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to buy a shit ton of fans. I'm going to take them to Germany (laughs) and sell them because they do not have fans. How do you not have fans? fans one night i was sleeping in bed with my two-year-old and i was pretty sure one of us peed the bed and it had to be me because there was a lot of water but i just just sweated through everything so one night we're in erfurt all the windows open sweating to death uh and these german children across the street from us are having this karaoke party it sounds like blasting music top hits of the 80s uh which is all fine i get it okay We all want to have fun, but they really, it was too much for me when they, when they played 99 Luft Balloons, I wanted to go across the street and say, you can't, you can't do that. So two on the nose, it's too much. You all need to go to sleep. So is that when you got turned on to 99 Luft Balloons was the same friend?
2: No, I think that was the year before. maybe. Yeah, 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 but I do, um. I have spent time in Germany several times uh, doing speaking and whatnot. And my books have come out in German and stuff. And so uh, they have a thing called Kirchentag, which I get to speak at uh, the past couple times. a big church day, you know, it's the big Protestant festival. But um, it didn't make any sense to me. Like I was there and I didn't understand it. And, <laughs> and I just walked around having no idea why everyone seemed... So serious about everything that was happening, and I was like, I think at that point, you can't call it a festival, right? Like, it just doesn't feel like a
1: festival. Did you see who some of the previous speakers were on the bill, like, say, in the 30s? Uh, it was a pretty uh, it's pretty uh, church day back then was pretty serious, serious, was it? Well, yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure.
2: <laughs> no, but it was it's fun. I mean, I enjoy it, but it just took me a while to kind of try and understand it. I think
1: um, you you're uh, one of technically one of my alums, right? Yes. Correct. How how was your I know it's not a traditional Boulder undergraduate experience. Uh, how was that? How did you yeah, how did you so find I Boulder?
2: Had, my kids were like toddlers when I was there. Uh, I graduated in 2005 and I commuted we lived in Longmont and um, my ex-husband Matthew was parish pastor in Longmont Colorado and so parking on the hill as you know is at a premium right Uh and so the the major fringe benefit of being clergy was that Grace Lutheran let me park at their church on the hill and uh, it just saved my ass you know Mm -hmm. um yeah, it was fine. I mean, it was actually the religion department. They're all from University of Chicago, so they it was fiercely academic. It was much more stringent academically um, my undergrad than than my graduate degree, on it, to be honest. And um, but I uh, graduated when I was thirty six. You know, so I'm a late bloomer. But I I wrote and defended an original thesis while I was there, oh, yeah? which, Uh I wrote a cultural history of deaf churches in america huh. uh, and the uh, ncu gave me a research grant because i just i lucked out there was no research on it and mm-hmm. so they gave me two grants and one paid for me to do ethnographic like interviewing at deaf churches huh. with deaf pastors in philadelphia and minneapolis and then uh, another grant paid for me to do archival research at gallaudet um the deaf university in washington dc and and um and so i i mean i had a great experience and then i went to my advisor and i said you know uh what if i can, should i write a proposal to give this as a paper at the aar and she goes well we the regional one just happened and i go oh no i mean like the national one <laughs> she goes uh well undergraduates don't really do that and i'm like is there a rule and she goes well, I don't think so and so I was like my well, fuck it so I I, um, I applied to give my thesis as a paper at the National AAR the Religion and Disability Studies <laughs> Group and nowhere on the form did it say are you an undergraduate yeah. right? I just went right. see you Boulder and so they accepted it and so now I'm giving I have to buy a grown-up outfit, first of all, <laughs> to give a paper at the AAR. And I give it, and now I'm nervous a little. I've always had this thing like, eh, if someone could do it, I could do it, you know. But at that point, I got nervous because then, you know, there's a panel of people for whom this is their field of study. And they have no idea I'm an undergraduate. And uh, I, I just was like, how are they going to respond? They loved the paper, loved the presentation. <laughs> so that that group in the AAR was having their business meeting right afterwards and I thought oh, it would be rude to like just walk out cause everyone seems to be staying. And so <clears throat> I thought, well, this will be interesting. So then they go, the student position on the steering committee of this group is open. Is anyone interested? And I just kind of look around and I'm like, nah, screw it. And I raise my hand. <laughs> so now, now, wanna, now I'm on a steering committee of a group in the AAR still no one knows i'm an undergraduate and i'm i'm like going through papers for two or three years at the aar deciding with a group of people which ones are going to be heard (laughs) so yeah (laughs) wow yeah i'm just constantly like "Ah, i could do that you know (laughs) whether it's true or not basically
1: (laughs) yeah I uh, So I have a, a brief story that I've been, been <laughs> wanting to tell you for a while, uh, okay. but wanting to find the right time. And I feel like <laughs> recorded in an audio format that we published is probably be the best one. So uh, I think we actually first met at First Call Theological Education. Uh, yeah, probably s- somewhere like 10 years ago. Yeah, in California. Um, and after, after your time in that community passed, uh, we hosted one in Denver. And as a part of that, we had some, like, responsibilities for hosting mm-hmm. and uh i didn't want to have to do anything that mattered uh so <laughs> i uh because <laughs> <laughs> go on so, so i found uh i was in charge of a social option and so what i did i've got keys to lots of churches and things right so i've got keys to a church van and so my social option was to sign up one night to get into an unmarked van with me uh, and that I would return you to the hotel around like midnight or something, but that was all the information you were gonna get. It was just this. <laughs> do you trust me enough <laughs> to get into a van with me? Um, How many people did this? I had a whole van. had twelve yeah. people. Yeah, we all. It was a good group. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but what it turned into. It was the... What I'd planned. It was the... It was the Nadia Memorial Tour. Um, oh, God. I had, I had bought a bunch of fake tattoo sleeves off of the internet. And so they... <laughs> they all had to wear them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and then we drove... Uh, we drove and we had all the hot spots from Facebook we uh, took a picture outside of the Episcopal church there that y'all were at at the time uh, we oh went to Pablo's God. and Snooze but uh, then the best part was <laughs> it's so creepy oh yeah, yeah it was super weird it's true it's true it's the best part was, I drove around the neighborhood around the church there for a while and then I stopped and I didn't tell people where we were uh, when we got out of the van I just you had to listen to me so I pulled up in front of this random house and I had everybody Get out of the van and stand in front of the house, and we took a picture. And I told them that was where he lived, uh, which it was not. It was not <laughs> not where he lived. It was just random. It's a random house. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. I don't know about other people, but I had,
0: I had a oh, lot. Of it fun. was good. It was.
2: A, that is amazing. Oh.
0: oh my gosh! So there you go. I still have, I still have my tattoo sleeve.
2: It's <laughs> that was incredible
1: <laughs> Maybe that's another business idea We're, I did not know this podcast there was going to be an episode of us Really working on your business plan here I know, uh, I don't, I get, ha,
2: I've never had one My church has never had a five year plan <laughs> My church has never had a vision statement Or a mission statement And now I'm continuing that legacy uh, On my own
1: <laughs> no idea what I'm doing I bet I you just could work this... with uh, with Old Lutheran to get exact replica tattoo sleeves to sell to people oh for Halloween and stuff. Right?
2: People, people are weird enough about me as it is. <laughs> I love how many people like it's. I mean, I just I live a very 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 private life, and um, mm-hmm. and I I just have to be pretty boundaryed because people people want access to me all the time so you know it's hard to find my email address you know it's Mm -hmm. you can't message me on facebook messenger or whatever you know but people will continually write on the like wall of my public figure facebook page telling me um hey uh could you please contact me i think i have something that i just feel like god's uh you know, nudging me to talk to you about. Or they'll say, I think that we would be really, really good friends. Could you please here's my email address, could you please email me? Or if you're ever in, you know, Bozeman, Montana, please stay at my house. (laughs) Or things like things like this. (laughs) I just can't it's weird, yeah. I mean I was in the Seattle airport two days ago, three different people came up to me. And one was this middle-aged dude who literally couldn't talk. He was, like, crying and just, <laughs> just yeah, it was wow. not so. So there's this weird thing about uh, people have a reaction to things that I've written or videos or talks they've heard. But it's not me. Like, so I'm always kind to them because i know it's not me and i know that they're having their their life as interacting with some kind of content that i was involved in producing that's very different than being me it being me you know to them they're like oh no it's you and i'm like no i'm like i'm very clear it's not but there's an intensity there you know and i also have realized both my like for lack of a better word, both like my fans and my detractors are both passionate groups of people Mm -hmm. who are equally distant from the truth.
1: So I think like, I I mean, of course, that's insane, right? Like, and just, I can't imagine living like that. I also like, I I get it in the sense that like, even just as like another pastor in the church, I see like earlier today, uh, you upset me uh, because uh, the person I was having a conversation with quoted you uh, in order to try to not do the thing I wanted them to do. Right. Um, yeah. And so like, I'm like, uh, I mean, I know. I'm not, I don't mean it like in that kind of sincere way, but there is an element no. of like this, mm-hmm. not who you are, but this, whatever that, that image is that's in folks head. Gosh, I don't know how to put that into a question exactly, but.
2: Well, I don't, I, I, I don't feel responsible for it, but mm-hmm. I feel responsible to it. Does that make sense? You know, Hmm. so Hmm. I didn't create it, but like, here I am. How do I be responsible to whatever is happening there? Right. I mean, that video makers made about forgiving assholes. That's been seen like 40 million times in two months. That's nuts, though, right. That's not oh, that's because I'm so clever, (laughs) charismatic. No, no, that has to do with a need in people, right? So the thing I have so much curiosity about right now as I navigate this public theologian thing is most of the people who are, who are writing about that or commenting on it, they're not like, oh, I'm a devout, regular attending member of First Presbyterian in Iowa City, thanks mm-hmm. for your videos. No, 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 no. This is the last sheep of the house of church, you mm-hmm. know? These are people who were raised religious and left the church for any number of good reasons and yet still have a longing for the gospel to be true, right? Mm-hmm. And, um you know, I people tell me their religious background story all the time. They just spill it as soon as they meet me. So I hear stories all the time and I never once have heard someone go, well, I was raised Christian, but I left the church because, man, I just feel like that Jesus guy doesn't have much to offer me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What I actually encounter <laughs> more than anything are people who believe in it so much that they couldn't stomach being part of something that said it was about it when clearly it wasn't, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like I'm asking the question, like, what's the pastoral need of people who were raised Christian or maybe not religious at all And who aren't part of church, because church is so culturally specific, like the cultural wrapping, Mm. like church culture appeals to a certain type of person, and there's nothing wrong with it, and there's nothing Mm. wrong with that person. But But the power of the gospel is so much greater than that, and so... You know, why is it the only place you have the chance of hearing the gospels if you show up to a church? It's like if the only chance you had of hearing Mozart was the dentist chair, you know, and it's like you're there's going to be some pain, there'll be fear might be shamed for your behavior might hear Mozart, right? <laughs> like,
1: you just can't, like, literally can't floss enough. It's just like a literal, like I I quit flossing because I, one time I told him I floss twice a week, which is a little bit of a lie. And they were like, well, you could do that a little bit more. And I was like, well, if my like the law. if my lie that's can't the keep up to flossing, then there's no way I'm going to be able to really do it. So I just have the, you know,
2: I have a lot of curiosity about why in the world, would people respond to a message of forgiveness like they have? That I have so wow. much curiosity about that, and I've only begun to scratch the surface of understanding
0: it. This sounds like pushing back a little bit, but it's just sort of, so as a pastor of the church, like I totally hear that, but also like, like one of the challenges I feel is that, so people are attracted to Jesus, and then they have this bad experience at church, and sometimes right. that's, but, but sometimes it's because like, they go to church and they realize that the other people at church aren't Jesus, mm. but that's that's just sure. a fact of being in a community, right? So sure. there's that. That's right. So it's yeah. like, man, it's like, I try to figure out how to, I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out how to explain it to people, right, when somebody, mm. when people in my congregation piss each other off, right? You're like, sure. well, this is part of it, right? You read any of the epistles and they're written to churches in conflict because yeah, that's what happens when like, you get like, hey, two to three people together. You know? That's right.
2: right? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Yeah, I I
2: get that. And and I, I agree. And it's like, it's a conundrum, because I think there are people who are like, maybe they culturally can dig the way churches lived out, like the church culture and but they leave because they're disappointed the people disappointed them okay that's one issue and i think when when you have a community centered on grace for yourself and for others you have a way of addressing that in a way that's super helpful but then there's the people who just aren't going to show up because of the cultural piece of it at all you know uh If if the church is just a social justice organization, for instance, there's a lot of ways to engage in that with much less embarrassing music involved, you know, or if it's if it's if it's primarily a substitute for the for the platform of the Republican Party. Again, there are other ways to live that out without giving up Sunday morning. So, I mean they're just uh, i think the church is obsessed with itself and nobody else seems yeah. to be paying attention <laughs> you know Can and yet, you have- i can't not go yeah. you know i'm showing up to this episcopal church in my neighborhood you know i can't what am i gonna do you know i i gotta i gotta be there
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I was going to ask if you could have a community beyond culture and of course not, but I guess I'm, I guess as a leader of a community, like I'm constantly trying to think about the places where we've grown too comfortable in our culture, right. And figure out how to, how to push those things Um, because the community piece I feel like is, I'm not very interested in like supporting, just like propping up a, cultural institution, but mm-hmm. I am really interested in like like having to deal with other people even when I don't want to. And so how do for I sure. continue to do that?
2: Yeah, know? for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think mean, it's hard. I, I have zero <clears throat> answers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I wasn't clear about that before. Yeah. But uh Well thanks for coming to the pod a that's a- Questions. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Um, well keep making the content because we use it in our um our church community too so oh
2: good i'm glad yeah
1: Yeah. just as long as i have your your number in my contacts so i can look really <laughs> cool <laughs> to church nerds.
2: i will never tell you where i live though zach <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey actually i went to i went to your house one time oh but um you took me to your house uh one of my students interviewed you recently for the, for that RNS piece. Uh,
2: oh, was that your student? Karina, yeah. Yeah, she did an excellent job.
1: So, so is that um, time? It's, it's, uh, I'm so jet-lagged. Uh, I, I know we're on standard time. <laughs> but, hey, did you know England's not even on Greenwich Mean Time? That's some bullshit. But I believe <laughs> currently it's time for the text, Matt time for
0: the text so uh so here's where we're at a little bit of background um i know we're diving into the lectionary but um for these first readings we're doing the semi-continuous series we did it last year uh and they were all stories from genesis during the summer which was really fun to work our way through those stories totally. uh, and then as a musical as a musical tie-in we listened to songs from the from the band Genesis. No, you didn't. Which, which Zach did not find equally fun. Uh, both the Peter Gabriel era and the Phil Collins era. I even wrote a biography of Phil Collins. It was a great summer, I, I thought. <laughs> I didn't participate. They have a really interesting... Uh, Period though. It's it was good. It was good. So this summer, uh there's stories of David, um, both kind of before David, some David stories, after David stories. It's interesting what the lectionary chooses and Mm. doesn't choose. Like Mm -hmm. but anyway, David themes. So we thought, of course, uh, what other musical tie-in but David Bowie? Of course. So, um I guess one question that we wanted to ask before we dive into these specific texts are um, what do you think about David? When you hear the name David, <laughs> what's what's the impression that you have of this, this guy? Uh,
2: I find it, I find David to be a great comfort because he was such a fuck up and <laughs> close to the heart of God. That's the combination I will always be drawn to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, in that way, I'm a fan. I would have to say, uh, because of that, not despite that. And also the whole thing where Israel's like, we want a king, we want a king, like, we just feel like everything would come together for us, like all the angst we feel would definitely be resolved if we had a king, you know, God's like, uh, awkward, like, (laughs) you know, Uh, uh,
0: yeah, Huh. And God does it anyway. Though. He's like, all right, you want to okay, give it a shot?
1: I know, I know. This is definitely yeah. not going to work, but okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. I am um, struck as we, we, we conclude the, Dare, the David narrative that David is kind of like the Walter White of the Bible. Uh, mm, right? Like, enough. he starts yeah. off as such a, like, Right, he's the yeah. youngest kid he doesn't even get brought out for the rose ceremony at the at the beginning <laughs> right, right? Totally. Like, yeah, exactly uh, <laughs> Samuel's <laughs> like, no, no, is not there like we checked the the census records there's another um right. and you have this like great underdog story, and then it's mm-hmm. just like it's the arc is complete like it's complete yeah. from like right. and it almost breaks in half at least the way the lectionary gave it to us this summer that. Yeah. Right, I always like the jokes that said that uh, the Breaking Bad would be just an incredible story of redemption if you played it in reverse. Uh, uh, wow! <laughs> um, wow! And yet, yeah. right, like Walter White. I like Walter White. He's a.
2: Can I just tell you a Walter White story real quick? Which is that you know um, at Walter White? Easter, no, 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 no. Oh. At the at the Easter Vigil, <clears throat> um, we have we have a Book of the Dead, and people write the names of people who have died, and. Um, um, oh, no, for all saints, I guess, yeah. is, is what I'm, I'm thinking. So it's people who've died in the last year, you know, like most churches do. And then we do the prayers and then we ring a bell and name the names of people who've died in the last year. And at one point I realized I needed to be really clear that. Um, I didn't mean uh, TV, TV characters because, unbeknownst to I didn't even realize mm-hmm. that I was reading Walter White and ringing a bell. Said it. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I, I had not, I think maybe I hadn't seen it at that point. And then somebody came up to me and they were like, sorry, but was Walter White on the Litany of Saints this year? And I'm like, yeah, that's a character from Breaking Bad. I'm like, oh my God, this church is so out of control. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, uh, oh. fantastic. Yeah, there's a nerdy part of me that wants to say we don't know that he's dead, but. Uh, <laughs> well,
0: so if David is Walter White, uh, who is Solomon? <laughs> because we've got Solomon this week. We didn't get the story where they schemed to make Solomon uh, the chosen heir. Yeah, uh, but but here but here he is. So.
2: I have um, to say, I've not done a lot yeah. of work in Kings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the part that stood out for me in this reading was 1011, uh, where it says... And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. I love the fact that the ministers couldn't minister because the glory of God filled the house. It's like too they much. couldn't stand to do it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what does that say about uh, our job? Right? <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> yeah.
1: I love it. Yeah. We do have a lot of slicing uh, and dicing this week in the lectionary, right? So if you did the whole thing, it would be verses 1, six, ten to 11. Skip a few, 22 to 30, 41 to 43. Yeah. And we miss yeah. my favorite verse of this chapter uh, in the reading, which is actually verse 12, right? Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he will dwell in thick darkness. Oh, I have built for you to yeah. exalted house place for you to dwell in forever. Because I love, yeah. uh, right, the idea. It's... Um, I don't do a lot of Luther quoting, but uh, on his commentary on the tabernacle, Luther says that God dwells in the darkness of faith where light cannot overcome it. Um, Uh That's interesting. Right? Which is way... I can't... like The light is so scarce uh, for me personally at least, right? Moments of clarity come and go, but the darkness uh, Mm. remains, and to know that God is in that darkness, I think, is Mm. super powerful, but... Yeah, for sure. Not if you follow the lectionary. Well, I I
2: like to say the (laughs) lectionary is not the boss
1: of me. Yeah, yeah. Take that, Kevin Strickland. Nobody likes you.
2: <laughs> Is he on the consultation for Common Text? Is he on it? Sure, sure. He's it's a friend sure, of the podcast. Sure. Kevin. It's uh, like the Sith Council. Kevin, <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, Kevin Strickland. You're a Sith Lord. I'm putting on the back cover of your, of your book, Kevin if you ever write a book that Nadia <laughs> called you a Sith Lord
2: uh, <laughs> I so, like Kevin
1: <laughs> Oh yeah we like Kevin too as well we all have to say uh, no Kevin's an old friend from college because he went to college in South Carolina we knew each other in college and oh did you? yeah oh, um, that's nice. and he was supposed to come on the podcast and burned us canceled, <gasps> oh, and so <gasps> we just say terrible things about Kevin over and over again um <laughs> We we saw each other in person a while back. It was very awkward but <laughs> Kevin Strickland, Sith Lord. No. Oh my god. Mm. What else do you got, Matt? You're the you're the David King's Yeah. So I gosh. don't love the text this week because there's not narrative really in any Yeah, way. I know, I'm the same way. None well, of the text of a narrative today.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, so I guess they want us to have um so nobody could stand a minister, but then Solomon comes in and stands. So good for him. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, it's a very pro like it's like Solomon propaganda. I feel yeah. like. Um, and then, um, and then Solomon gives this prayer that I remember from like Sunday school, where God's like, "What do you want? I'll give you anything," because um, God's a genie and God, and he asks for wisdom because he's so humble. Even though we just saw him scheming. So it's like he's such a mixed... He's just like, what do you do? What do you do with this really pious prayer? But then at the end, the last part um, talks about the foreigner um, and the immigrant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really... Which is really good. Like, even though it's coming out of the mouth of this uh, guy I want to not like, uh, it's really good stuff. Is it,
2: is it a little manipulative, though? Like, um, don't you want to look good to to people from other... Like, uh, like, hook us up because, you know, I know you don't want to look bad to visitors.
1: <laughs> oh, even that. Oh, wow. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I like... I don't like, I dislike it. Uh, verse 25, he uh, recalls the promise of God, um, the promise to David, there shall never fail you a successor before me to sit on the throne of Israel. I don't think that's going to work out. Yeah, I, do. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I know we want to let history play out on this one. Did you read ahead? I, you know, uh, The results aren't in yet, but science is still out on this. Um, that it's short and maybe that's maybe that's a helpful way to get into it the grand the, the grandosity I mean it's tra- like I think there's a way in which this text is tragic that we've just been through this like utter like fall of David um, mm. that doesn't feel <clears throat> super redemptive at the end and that what we yeah. decide to do after that is to be like well this time the king thing's really gonna work uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's I, gonna be great
2: I love the idea that um uh, we know what will make us happy. Mm-hmm. Like if I only could afford liposuction, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know right? like if, 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 if I only, you know, was married, like, there's always this thing out uh, that we're just sure is going to be the thing. And then how often is that what we pray for too? You know, it's Pardon. like, I don't know. I'm relating to
1: Israel right now, you know, um, and it's always, it's always a thing in the future. <laughs> Right.: Yeah, right, uh, right. Right. Like, you may know this uh, as, a, as, a, as a person who rides airplanes. Uh, when I'm in the airport, I'm always almost happy, right? If I can just get to the next place where I have to wait, then I'm going to be happy. Uh, uh, as soon as I get on the plane, right. I'll be happy, but I just keep pushing it further right. and further away, and I'm never right. going to get there. Um, right. Right. If we can just get this king thing together, then, right. then we're going to be happy.
2: Maybe happiness Instead isn't the right of, like, what, what do we have now that all of these ideas about what will make us happy is distracting us from being happy about? Right? <laughs> like mm. stuff that's already here.
1: You know, Which is an excellent segue Oh, <laughs> for the, old, the gospel of Juan here. Uh, congratulations, dear preachers. You have made it through six weeks of preaching about the bread of life.
2: Can I can I just say that I did tell my colleague, Reagan Umber, that my um, stepping down from the church when I did was just all an elaborate ploy to avoid six weeks of I am the bread of life. I mean, I looked at it and I went, no, screw it, man. I'm just going to leave my church. <laughs> I cannot step up for that again. <laughs> and then I was at Holden Village, and they emailed me a couple weeks before I came. Hey, we'd love for you to preach. And I look at the text. I was like, Oh hell no! <laughs> Not just that, but I literally have to take Valium to get up the mountain. So I was <laughs> like, I'm gonna be high. I can't. Cannot. No, no. I have. I'm on anxiety medication, and also no. <laughs> <laughs> so You're I, not sloughing that off on me <laughs> I uh,
1: Had you been to Holden before? and you traveled there recently? Oh yeah, I've been gone for 20 yeah. years yeah. I took students for spring break this year And they were so Coloradan about it mm. uh, That the whole time we were there They were like, yeah, this is pretty and stuff <clears> But <throat> it's only like three thousand yeah. feet it's not a real mountain um,
2: yeah they were like telling people to drink water and like be care that i'm like are you kidding there's more literally more oxygen here than in my apartment you know <laughs> uh, but you know what's cool the best thing was like i got to be there with my friend padre gotuma which is why i went he's an amazing poet and incredible human but uh but they diverted they diverted the PCT because of fire it was diverted oh, yeah, through Golden yeah. Village. And so I spent the whole time like snagging every like dazed through hiker I I saw in the village. And feeding them peanut butter toast and, um, and them regaling me with their stories. (laughs) And I, I didn't know anything about this subculture. And now I'm like obsessed with the fact that people take five months to hike from Mexico to Canada and all the things I fear and slash or avoid they just adopt as literally their lifestyle. So like, I don't ever want to be hot or cold. I don't want to sleep outside. I don't want to be in the dark. I don't want to be by myself. I don't want to be too tired. Uh, I don't like being outside. So like all the things, uh, and the funny thing is I've been thinking about walking the Camino and and then every time I think of it there's this moment of romance of oh that would be great and then when I think of what it involves I'm like no I'd be miserable and I'd make everybody around me miserable but that's only like 10 to 15 miles a day and you're yeah. going to sleep inside right? right and these people are doing 25 to 50 miles a day every day for months sleeping outside and so I felt like it was like this message of like you could walk the Camino, like it's nothing compared to what these people are doing. Yeah.
1: So now I think I have to do it. Oh, I have some students who really want a Camino, and they yeah. keep trying to talk me into doing that as our trip this year. Oh my gosh! I know. You, you, based on what you've learned about the PCT in the past couple days, uh, maybe you should write a novel about, uh, and there could be a, a movie adaptation. Uh, with with Reese, Witherspoon Reese Witherspoon and stuff. Reese just ideas. I don't know. I think it could work.
2: <laughs> I love Cheryl Strayed, and I have to say, I've not read Wild, but I her listening to the audiobook of her reading Tiny Beautiful Things, which are her letters that she was the advice columnist on the literary, online literary magazine, The Rumpus, uh, any pastors listening, I just have to say, I learned more about pastoral care listening to tiny beautiful things than I ever did in seminary it is she she offers this outrageous combination of like deep 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 compassion and fierce fierce truth telling and it's you can't beat it so I I Mm -hmm. commend that to people if they have it nice yeah, listen to it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, oh yeah, the text. The
1: text <laughs> Yeah, so what is the thing we have with us right now, uh in which we might find wholeness. Uh bread of life last one. We gotta cheat. It's cheating. The lectionary cheats throughout this year, and they're mm-hmm. borrowing the last two verses from last week as their first two verses this week. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood will abide in me, and I am them. Blippity blop. Uh it's a lot about the flesh from here. The note I kinda made last week that I think is still the thing uh, especially if you're looking for a way out of out of bread, out of gluten preaching, is, um, is the idea that in the Gospel of John, there's not a ritual action that gets paired with uh, eating my flesh and drinking uh, my blood. Uh, Jesus doesn't pair it with, uh, right, sitting like at the Last Supper sort of thing. He just says it, right? The, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood, abide in me. Uh, a couple layers to things here. First of all, that breaks the Torah, uh, you could not eat flesh and blood together, right? What makes mm-hmm. meat, uh, um, oh my gosh, jet lag, not halal, but kosher, there we go, uh, is that the, the blood has been drained from it. And that a part of that, a part of their understanding of of, of the ancient Near East of, of why you needed to get rid of the blood is that the blood was the essence of the life of the creature itself. Uh, blood and fat were the life itself. Uh, so on one hand, Jesus is... I mean, of course, it's, it's uh, cannibalistic. It's transgressive in that sense, but it's also transgressive in the sense it's asking you to break the law. Um, and that we had talked about it last week, that this act of eating my flesh and drinking my blood is uh, maybe a better way for us to think about it, uh, is it's kind of like this bone marrow transplant. Uh, that the essence, that the life of Jesus comes to live in us, uh, in this flesh and blood, um, which, which is a thing, right? Like, gosh, I'm going to change it for a second. They, uh, oh, I haven't done that at all this hour. <laughs> we we have a strict policy. We speak only about the text, uh, the playlist, uh, and what's in, in in the announcements this week. Um, We've been doing like really structured. Uh, uh, thanks be to Jesus for the Lilly family uh, uh, and their support of our work, helping students do vocational discernment stuff. Uh, and the the main issue that we've come we've. My big theological problem with the way we do discernment stuff is that uh, the question in response to the idea that God calls us forces us to ask questions that we don't have answers for and that aren't particularly Lutheran. The question after that statement, God calls us, is what is God calling me to do? Um, And it means we have to put ourselves into the mind of God. We've got to climb up the ladder and sit in the God chair and see the world and ourselves as God does. Uh, And as a Lutheran, I don't think that's a thing I am capable of, our attempts at building ladders uh, Uh, in towers uh, never go particularly well instead i think the statement we should start with is that god gives us vocation god gives us identity and that we have stuff to work with then because in that case god comes down to us uh right if you want to find where god is look at the bottom of your life uh, at the bottom of the cross that's where god promises to be in the in, in where we get the connection here is that god comes to us in the flesh and blood with which we find ourselves we're not just my friend Greg, who just uh, finished up his graduate studies in the religion department in Boulder, uh, is super into the idea that there's no, we don't have a self, that there's no soul, uh, yeah. is a part of his kind of Buddhist stuff, um, which I'm leaning into these days. Um, we are just these things, these miraculous creatures called up out of the dust. Uh, our flesh and our bones, that's who we are. And the good news that God might dwell in this crappy thing that I am right like in my skin that has a propensity for uh, malignant uh, tumors right that's where God is I think can be uh, awfully good news this teaching is hard that's what I said (laughs) (laughs) who can accept it who can accept that what do you got Matt you got any gospel takes I do not have gospel takes. I just find it so
0: (laughs) hard, yeah. I mean, how do you... Yeah, it's their lifeblood, but how do you... What do you do with that? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's obviously the thing that we do every week. Um, It's such a phrase that we use over and over. I'm the bread of life. I guess that's why we get the five weeks with it. But I still... God, I still find it challenging after reading... after this many years of, of hearing it and seeing it, um, still wonder what to do with it. That's what you want from your pastor, right? Uh, I
2: know you know, I, I think, um, did you see the Book of Mormon? Mm-hmm. So when I was watching that, I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't, I don't know that much about Mormonism, but I guess there's something like uh, each of the dudes gets their own planet or something. I don't know, but anyway, I was like, This was some weird shit. And then I realized uh, we say we eat the flesh and drink the blood of a yeah. dude who's been dead 2,000 years. Also weird, yeah. like all religions weird, we're just used to ours, you know? Yeah, and, yep. and, yep. and as much as churches differ and divide. Most Christian traditions have Eucharist or communion or the Lord's Supper. Like it's the thing that, and it's interesting that the thing that actually unites us that we all say is important and we do divides us so much about like who can, who's allowed to take it. And Hmm. uh, I think it's interesting Hmm. because they, they, you know, they people don't want to commune children because they don't understand it. And yet, really, as you know, of course, everyone says this. Who's been to seminary? Like none of us understand it. But I think that, uh, like on the night Jesus was betrayed, he didn't say, "This is my body broken for you. Understand this in remembrance of me." And he didn't say, "Accept this," or "Defend this," or "Boundary this in remembrance." of me. He's just like do it, right? And if mm-hmm. it comes down to just do it and and allow the experience to to change you or to bring you whatever it's going to bring you and everyone's going to differ around what that is, I don't know, that's a lot easier for me, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I had that exact like Early in my ministry, I remember we, we communed children, children helped, well, this was my first my first Sunday at St. Mark's, and I hadn't really done communion before, because you're not supposed to do it until you're ordained, right? So I'm kind of like, and I hadn't done it at St. Mark's, so I didn't know what their practice was, um, and so it comes time for communion, and all these kids get up and come to the front to help, and they end up leading me around, whispering in my ear, okay, pastor, now you go do this. Okay, pastor, yeah, I love now that. you go over here. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and it, it was the most beautiful. Lead them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's how I tell the story every time. And then, but, but then, I don't know if I, why it kind worked, but then um, some of the adults started coming to me going, well, I don't, should we really be doing that? I mean, do they even, do they really understand it? And I'm thinking, like, do you understand it? Yeah, like, I don't, mm. I don't and of course, I didn't say that out loud because I had just gotten the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I the- know, I know. But I'm, I guess, wondering now. Um, maybe that's maybe that's worth diving into, right? Maybe we try to instead of trying to make this palatable, to say no, we're going to keep church weird and um just live with that.
2: And like, uh, it's totally natural to encounter this stuff and go. And that's hard it's hard to accept, you know? Yeah. That puts us in pretty good company, you know. Um, they it, it's not like the disciples were like, You're the bread of life, eat your flesh, drink your blood. Uh, cool, got it. Right? <laughs> they, they, you know. They're like, Yep, we're Yeah. We're digging it. You know, no problem.
1: <laughs> they always leave out the parts where Jesus explain opens their minds to understand the, the scriptures.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, i have to go all right so if we're gonna do something else we might get to it because uh i just had a call come in that i was supposed to take yep so, so it's the person who's gonna tell me what to do with my life oh good, good. <laughs> and you guys made me miss
0: it <laughs>
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: it's Matt's well let's fault. Uh, well let's dive into so every week we try to make a playlist, uh kind of inspired by the text, because for me when I read text I don't just think about the songs in the ELW but it makes me think of songs that would have meant something to me mm-hmm. in my life. Um mm-hmm. And uh so we thought we would ask that question of you, what songs did this make you think of? Uh, I know you've already thought about it, so I've been waiting all episodes to find out what David Bowie's song this is. Okay, but, um, so the whole sort of temple, Ark of
2: the Covenant, having a sort of the right size and color and decorated God box for God, you know, uh, for so that we we know where from where our help comes. It comes from the box or the building or whatever. Uh, I had to go with Savior Machine uh, mm. from Bowie. Because uh, there was there's this whole idea of like okay here's a machine and it's going to be our savior and everything should be fine and then it never actually works out like that.
0: (laughs) What is that? What album is that on? Man of Sold the world. Mm -hmm. The first one that
1: you got. Mm -hmm. I can't believe Bowie covered that Nirvana song. That was
0: crazy.
2: (laughs) 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 Is this the one they covered? No, they covered Width of a Circle. I almost suggested Width of a Circle, but it's a yeah. it's a song about him having sex with God. I think so. I thought that <laughs> eh, might be going a little far. So,
1: yeah. oh. Matt, we do you got? Boyd. Uh, gosh.
0: Well, I have, a, I have another. I have a non-Boyd song. Can I throw a non-Boyd song? You it's may. I'll allow it. Uh, Johnny Cash, Flesh and Blood. Yeah, I got to do it. Flesh and Blood. Mm flesh and blood needs flesh and blood um the original one that just uh it's good
1: it's good it's just with johnny and chun leading it. what do you got zach uh i'm doing moon age daydream for my yeah, boy yeah. for the old text yeah. uh love the darkness right so you've got this like dream that's it's super sci-fi right it's this uh messiah that's coming on an alien planet and stuff uh and so, it's Super Messiah E in the in the King's text here, uh, all happening in my mind on the dark side of the moon. Uh, then there's just a plethora, Matt, a plethora of flesh and blood and bone songs. Uh, you took my the Johnny Cash. I had your good friend, Matt. I'm gonna wait. Your good friend, who we saw Coachella, has a good one. Uh, you got to go with the uh, Brandy Carlisle, just at Red Rocks. Uh, blood, muscle, skin, and bone, off of the Firewatcher's daughter. Uh, which is killer Uh, and then literally the killers have a song called Flesh and Bone Uh, that's a good one as well cool good playlist what else do you got Matt do you have anything else because I am well prepared today
0: yeah, I mean, I threw on um, Kendrick's humble because uh, that makes me uh, think of this Solomon. Whereas, is it really is he really being humble or what's what's this all about? I'm um, just thinking about Solomon's prayer there, right?
2: I can't fake um, humble just because your
0: ass is insecure. It's a great line. <laughs> uh, and then. Um, and then Bowie's uh, fame. I gotta do fame mm. for this Solomon, yep. famous Solomon. And we've had some conversation about fame today, so
1: that, That's perfect. <laughs> Man, I got one more. Well, 20th, yeah. I got one more. Uh, it's 2018. Okay. It's okay. the 20th anniversary of uh, the miseducation of Lauren Hill, uh, uh, which is just. Uh, uh, it's I such a good album it, Like the, she's been like, doomed still. I think just because Of how perfect That album was And I'm gonna throw In a bonus song Pair it with the Ephesians text uh, It tells you about What the struggle uh, Is against and about And I'm going Everything is everything uh, uh, yeah. There you go yeah. Nice She's so great Oh my gosh it's, a, it's still just Produced perfectly Like
2: Oh it's a perfect album Yeah I agree
1: ugh, I feel bad for her It's so good
0: Yeah well, thank you so much, Nadia, for taking the time to be on the podcast today. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, you
2: bet. Happy to hang. Yeah. Good luck, guys.
1: Really yeah. hope you get your get your life together and stuff. I do. Uh, <laughs> thank you. you know. Thank <laughs> you. Well, I agree. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> it'll be fine. It'll be I'm fun. sure
1: things will work out for you. You know, it'll be fun.
2: I'm just tapping <laughs> my forehead. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, <Ryan>. Okay. <laughs> cool. All
1: right. All See right. you guys. Thanks. It's been real. It's been real vital.